I hope you came to worship the Lord. And I hope you're excited about hearing the Word of God because what I have to say that comes from me is pretty much opinion and mine's no better than yours. But what I have to say from the Word of God is not my opinion and it's not any man's opinion, it's God's opinion. And God's opinion will change your life. Today's message is almost exclusively for people who know for sure that they're going to heaven. Know for sure that they've been born again. Know for sure that you're saved. Principles of Answered Prayer is the message title today. And I'm going to qualify it a little bit before I actually start the message. And that is that if you're not saved yet... Because I know God wants to save you or you wouldn't even be here today. I can tell you for sure that the Lord is interested in your salvation. But if you're not saved, all of these promises that we'll be talking about today, they don't belong to you yet. The promises to answer the prayer of people are for God's people only. People who belong to Jesus. I know that God hears my prayers. I've got all kinds of, you know, reasons for that. I know that he does that because he says he does in the word of God. I know that he does because he has answered thousands of times in my life. Thousands of times. I could tell you stories about some of the more spectacular times God's answered my prayers. But I'd rather teach you the Word of God so that you can have your own prayers and get your own answers. In 1 Kings, back in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said to Solomon, He said, Ask what I shall give thee. Wow, this scripture that we're going to read, and we're going to read this whole section as we go. This is the story of the time the Lord came to King Solomon in a dream. This was right after he became king, after David died. And Solomon, he's, a, he's young. I don't know exactly how old, but he's probably still in his teens. The Lord came to King Solomon in a dream, and he offered him anything he would ask. Anything. As we read the following verses, we're going to see that Solomon past this ultimate test of character that God put him through. But think about that while I read this. Think about that for a minute. What if God, God came to you and he said, ask what I shall give thee. And he, he offered you anything you would ask for. What would it be? Verse 6 says, Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walketh, walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in the uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. You ever feel like that? 
Well, you're right if you felt like that. It says, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give thy servant, therefore thy servant, an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. And I have also given thee that which thou didst not ask for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Lots of men have dreamed of a day like this in the life of Solomon. Just think, the God of heaven, the creator who can do anything, who is able to grant any request from whom all good things come, Oh, if he would only ask me what he asked Solomon. Thousands of books and movies and TV shows have been produced around dreams and wishes of people that things that they would wish to be granted. The stories of Aladdin's lamp and a genie and three wishes and finding a genie in a bottle with magic to grant your heart's desire. Today, the lottery is the modern day equivalent of the genie who will grant all your wishes, all your heart's desire. I read of a man once who found an old brass lamp and he picked it up and rubbed it with his hand across it and you guessed it, a genie popped out. This genie, like every other genie story, granted him three wishes. The first, man, the first wish, the man asked for a billion dollars, and it was granted. And poof, there were suitcases of $100 bills that appeared on the scene. Next, the man wished for a mansion on a beach in Florida. And you guessed it, poof. Can you imagine the poof? I don't know how that works, really. Next, he was standing on the balcony of a beautiful Florida mansion. And for his final wish, the man's thought, he thought, he said, I want you to make me irresistible to women. And then poof, he was instantly turned into a box of chocolates. <laughs> you might have noticed that on all the genie bottle stories, and all the genie jokes, they seem to all end in disaster. And the reason for that is because we all lack wisdom to know what we should ask for. We're just not smart enough to know what to ask for. Go online and read some of the stories of the lottery winners. It might just cause you to stop buying tickets. Actually, I read the Bible before the lottery came along and I've still never bought a ticket and I never intend to buy a ticket and I'm doing just fine. I want to point out to you something that the years have taught me 
And it's that you, along with every other real obedient believer, have actually been given the same opportunity that God gave Solomon. You see, because of our great high priest, whose name is Jesus, there you go, we have been granted the right to ask God whatsoever we will. It's called prayer. Let me read to you from the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're given promises from God, save people, to handle every need that comes along in life. Every need, every desire that comes along in life. We are given promises to handle those. Let me read to you those promises about that from Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 says, According as His divine power... How powerful is his divine power? All powerful. Hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, we not only have access to the throne of God, we have a guaranteed answer of yes to all of our requests. Let me read this to you from, from John, chapter 14, verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Next verse. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15 and 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye ask, you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. There is a new and improved upgrade to our prayer software that we find in the New Testament. Our flesh nature, our lifestyle, and our track record prove that none of us is wise enough to ask God what we should be asking God. And you know it. You're an adult, most of you. Even the kids have a track record of what they've asked God. Let me read you some lottery winner headlines. Ex-boyfriend charged with killing $5 million lottery winner. Florida lottery winner dies penniless. Single vehicle crash kills $9 million winner. Lottery winner gives up the fight to keep his house. $13 million Florida lottery winner dies broke. There are hundreds of headlines like these. And for every positive story that's not yet over, by the way, there are dozens just like these headlines right here. We all seem to think that we're the one 
who is wise enough, who's smart enough to handle the wealth. When and if you were that smart, you would be smart enough not to buy the ticket in the first place. Because we are too, and I'm going to put a blank in here, and I'm going to let you pick the word, like dumb, stupid, unwise, ignorant, weak. You pick out the word. Because we're too dumb to know what we ought to ask for, God has downloaded into your system a prayer translator. Did you know that? If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit that God has put in you is one of the things that He has designed to do, and that is to translate your prayers. Let me read this to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts of men knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. Saints are saved people. That's the definition of a saint. He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now I can almost hear what some of you are thinking. Oh man, why does God have to go and do that for? Why does he translate my prayers into what he thinks I should ask for instead of what I'm really asking for? God goes and does that for because he loves you. That's why he does that. So quit grumbling. You do the exact same thing. Exactly, you do. Little Alex comes and says, Mom, I'm hungry. Mom says, okay, honey, what would you like? She says, I want ice cream and cookies. Mom says, how about some fruit? (laughs) So you do the same thing. You're 15-year-old. She says, Dad, will you help me get a car when I get my license next month? And dad says, uh, okay, what kind of car do you want? The 15-year-old says, I'm thinking Mustang GT. And dad says, uh, let's look at, take a look at this Honda. Have you thought much about a pickup truck? You see, when we pray, we most often ask for results when it's the process of what we're going through Wherein lies the real value. You have been in trouble and prayed. And God didn't rush to your rescue and answer that prayer quickly. You went through a whole process of trial. Glenda, you're going through one right now. This is your first Sunday back after you decided to let that other guy hit you. (laughs) The process of what we go through before the answer comes is usually the whole point of the situation. We want muscles and a trim lean figure. I see a bunch of you out there that would love muscles and a slim trim figure, myself included. But it's the healthy food and the exercise that we need. See how this works? Who here would like to see God answer your prayers the way you pray them? Yes? 
Don't be ashamed. You know you would. Holding your hand down now is the equivalent of lying to what I'm asking you. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to see God answer your prayers the way you pray them? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I know that we're not smart enough to ask right, but there is a way to see that happen. God always answers prayer. But there's a thing, a few things at least, that we need to learn about prayer. Now we've heard that God answers every prayer, and it's either yes or no. I mean, there are some things that God has to say no to. Or maybe he answers, are you kidding? Or maybe not yet. You've heard that. I I call them preacherisms. They sound really good, but they're not necessarily exactly that way. God never really says no. He simply translates our requests into something that he can say yes to. Answered prayer comes with conditions and it comes with responsibilities. Wouldn't you say that the car that you help your 15-year-old get would come with conditions and responsibilities? Here's what John said to us in chapter 3, verse 18 of 1 John. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we shall know that we are of the truth and it shall assure our hearts before him. If if our heart condemn us, what's that talking about? That's talking about asking God for something, knowing full well that he shouldn't give it to you. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. I was talking about his New Testament commandments, not the ten. Nobody's ever kept those. Nobody ever will. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. One of his children is going to be keeping one of his, matter of fact, the very first commandment after you're saved this morning. Eva Spencer, sitting back there smiling with Dylan, is going to be baptized this morning. She was was commanded to be baptized by the Word of God now that she's saved. And it's one of the things that is extremely pleasing to God. Solomon's answer from God came with conditions. Did you know that? 1 Kings 3 and verse 14 tells us about the conditions. Here's what it says. God said, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. You see, there's a surefire way to get your prayers answered exactly the way that you pray them. Here in 1 John chapter 5, Verse 14 says, we just read it, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, 
we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Psalm 84 and 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No, listen to this part. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You see, once you have learned enough from the word of God to know how you ought to pray, you will find that by then your prayer life has changed drastically. What do surveys show that is the number one things that Christians pray for? Do you know what the the surveys reveal? Christians pray for finances more than any other thing. Solomon prayed for that which would enable him to do the will of God. And along with that came the finances that he did not ask for. If you're praying and asking God for finances, Christians, you're wasting your breath. Here's what he said, 1 Kings 3.13, And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. David asked God, For that which would please the Lord. And God gave Solomon the finances that he did not ask for. Psalm 27, 4. Here's what David said. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Here it is. That I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. No Christian ever needs to pray for finances. Finances come with the package whenever you learn to pray according to what pleases God. Learn to pray that you fulfill your purpose. Learn to pray what David did to dwell in God's house all the days of your life. Learn to pray what Solomon did. Pray for wisdom. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 31, he said, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And he wasn't calling them Gentiles for a compliment. He said, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows that you need a paycheck. He knows that you need a roof over your head and clothes on your back and groceries in the cupboard. God knows all that. Is he all fishing or something and not paying any attention in your life? He may be fishing, but he can still pay attention in your life. Matthew 6 and verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. No Christian ever needs to pray for finances. Just ask God to help you fulfill your purpose and finances will come with the package. So how might God provide for you if you actually do manage to learn what to pray for? A good prayer today would be, Lord, teach me what to pray for. Praying for God to show you how to pray, wouldn't that be awesome? Now that's a prayer God can say yes to.
You see, unless you're a king or a president or someone who needs riches to fulfill God's purpose, he's probably not going to make you rich. Probably going to do something we call nicely provided for, or in the Bible it's called enough and to spare. Here's what Proverbs 30 and verse 8 says. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. God does not even ask that you be extra holy. God just simply asks that you fear the Lord and that you serve Him first. And if you're a real Christian, He'll give you strength to do that. You can do that. This is not something you can't do. I can't be sinless, but I can fear the Lord and I can serve Him first and put Him first in my life. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 14, here's what it says. In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? You've heard of people that were too smart for their own good? It's in the Bible. Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldst thou die before thy time? It is good that thou shouldst take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. So, wrapping this up, what am I teaching you today? Well, what I'm teaching you, I know because I read it in the Word of God, just like I did to you, but I also know it by experience. I haven't actually prayed for finances in many, many years, decades. Yet God has bountifully provided our finances. Now I ask you, do I not pray for finances because we already have them, like some of you may think? Is that how it works? Or do I receive the finances we need and more because I pray for the things that God says I should be praying for? Which way is it? Be smart enough to know the difference. Some of you may be thinking, does God answer your prayers the way you pray them? And the answer is yes. Almost always. I'm not that smart yet, but almost always. Is that because he likes me better than you? Or because I'm holier than you? Or because I'm prettier than you? Well, you know that's not it, so. <laughs> the answer is simple. It's really simple. It's because I have learned to pray for that which I know God can say yes to. Pray what you know that God can say yes to. Here's a challenge for you this week. Get up every morning early enough to read your Bible, maybe even just a chapter. It doesn't have to be a lot. 
Then go to prayer. Doesn't have to be long. Sometimes we, when we pray before a meal, you got you to watch who you ask to pray. The food may well be cold before you get there if you're not careful about who you ask to pray. Go to prayer and ask God something he can say yes to. You confess your sins first because if you don't, if you've got unconfessed sin in your life, you're out of fellowship with God. And he is not bound to answer your prayer when you're out of fellowship with God. And he gave you a way to maintain that fellowship. Confess your sin and he will restore your fellowship. Has nothing to do with salvation. And then ask God every day something that he can say yes to you. Make it personal for yourself so that you can easily see it when God answers. Maybe, Lord, help me remember to praise you today before other people who do not know you. You know, that's how you witness. You praise the Lord for every good thing that he puts in your life and you do it in front of other people. And after a while, sooner or later, some of them are going to ask you about it. Maybe you ask the Lord, remind me to use what I have in a way that you can bless and be glorified in. Or, Lord, show me opportunity to be a greater blessing to others, especially in my church. Some of you are learning that now. There's a bunch of that going on outside the doors of this building. That's cool. Be as specific as you want, as long as it's something that the Bible teaches is the will of God. Then don't forget to thank him and honor him when he answers. You know, how many times does God hear our prayers? Give us what we ask for. And that's the last he hears from us till we need something else. That's a shame, isn't it? Last week we heard all about our good Heavenly Father. All you have to do is ask God for things that a good father can say yes to. Because that's who he is. He's my father. He's your father if you're born again. Amen.